Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nest Tsunami podcast. We are offering three conversations from this week's second preview of the upcoming Digital International Liver Congress 2021. In this conversation, a discussion between Jorn Schottenberg, Stephen Harrison, Louise Campbell, and me about what we anticipate most eagerly from this meeting turns into a broader discussion of pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic approaches to treating metabolic diseases. This agenda has stimulated tremendous excitement among the Extended Surfing Nash team, so sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Next week, close to 10,000 stakeholders from across the global hepatology community will convene virtually for the Digital International Liver Congress 2021, a four-day meeting with well over 100 sessions on a broad range of liver-related topics. Today, join hepatology researcher and key opinion leader Dr. Stephen Harrison, liver wellness advocate Louise Campbell, pricing and forecasting guru Roger Green, and this week's guest, hepatology researcher and key opinion leader, Professor Jarn Schottenberg, as they discuss Discuss the sessions and papers that interest them most today on the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. As I mentioned two weeks ago, all easel abstracts and content are embargoed until next Wednesday's initial press conference. So what we've got to work with today as we talk about what interests us about this conference are titles and section talks, plus our own knowledge about the author's interests and backgrounds. Each of us has selected a few items we want to highlight that we think are of value. But first, I just want to ask a general question to the group. General reactions to this agenda. Are there things that you find particularly good or valuable about this agenda or things that you wish might have been covered in a little more detail or are you perfectly happy with the way it is? Brave one, go first. I'm going to go first on this one. Yeah. The challenge of having a, a virtual meeting is, of course, as we've highlighted the other discussions, is the lack of interaction. And when I look into the program, and I'm, I'm actually personally involved in one of those sessions, they created interactive sessions where you give pre-recorded talks, and then you have a fair chunk of the time, 40, 45 minutes for discussion. I'm really looking forward to that. It'll help us to get back into uh, exchanging views and actually being very close to the, to the content that was presented, which is really at the heart of those uh, meetings. Just to build on Jorn's comments, I think the way the program is laid out, it's good. It was very good last year, the virtual format. There have been some refinements to make it even a bit better. One thing we're limited a bit on is, again, understanding the content of what's being presented, as you noted already, Roger. But an easier way to maneuver through and in and out of the posters, I think, is headed our way and something I'm looking forward to seeing this year with this virtual format. But to Jorn's point, his session is going to be fantastic. Now, Jorn is, is an all-star at this meeting, as with most meetings. He has multiple talents and is displaying all of those at this meeting. But this therapeutic discussion on what's new and non-serotic NASH from a diabetologist point of view with Amalia and then from a hepatologist view with Yorn, I'm really looking forward to hearing what both of those academic 
experts have to say relative to where we're headed. And then, of course, not leaving out Serotic Nash. That's going to be a topic as well, what's new in Serotic Nash. And boy, is there a ton of things that are new. I'm surprised he's going to be able to cram all that into 10 minutes. To me, that's an hour-long discussion in and of itself about where we've come from this time last year, looking at cirrhosis to where we're going. And I'll mention in a moment one of the presentations discussing therapeutic intervention for that stage of fibrosis that looks very encouraging. And then Jacob George coming on to the stage and talking about the challenges of real-life NASH management. And then this panel discussion at the end. Boy, that's going to be super rich. And I wish we had more than an hour to discuss this. I mean, to do all that in an hour, you want to just pull up a chair and hit rewind a hundred times to get all the content that's probably going to be mentioned. Louise, got anything in mind? Yeah, I'm just struck by the amount of content this year on lifestyle and well-being. We're going back to the roots of healthcare that it's not always in medicine. While we certainly don't have medicines available to treat NASH, there's a whole day of lifestyle and interventions and more on the wellness side. So it's really impressive that we're looking at the ways that the diets, the exercise, we're doing comorbidities, comorbidity management. It's it's good progress because it's the foundations of how we're going to be able to treat and manage a lot of people outside of medicine during the future years. So I'm excited by those parts that are increasing now, as well as the non-invasive technologies, obviously the discussions in and around how they're going to move forward and more and more evidence to hopefully move us beyond the biopsy in the near future. I agree with you. And actually, that one session has me particularly excited because they're taking a look at non-invasive from a bunch of directions and in a bunch of different populations. I love the idea because it's always been one of my things that there's a talk about lean NASH and the differences in lean NASH in the midst of all that. And spoiler alert, one of the co-chairs of that panel is Michelle Long, who's going to be joining us that day, June 24th, for our same-day follow-up. So I expect that that will get plenty of attention given that the panel will have just happened and she'll be with us. I think it's a great thing. With that, why don't we dive in and start talking about specific titles of interest? And you're, normally I do Brave One Go First, but if you've got one top of mind, why don't I let you start? Yeah, you, I'm just going through the program. First day is going to be busy with the uh, postgraduate course, which is really the flagship of ILC this year. And as Louise mentioned, there's going to be a lot of lifestyle, some very interesting topics of comorbidities and, and cofactors in NASH, alcohol, sleep, these type of things. And of course, the basic science course going in parallel, there's a lot of it talking on artificial intelligence. We've detailed that in the case of patient finding previously on this podcast, but it goes beyond this and tries to assess all these novel biomarker technologies, combining multi-omic data sets to better understand the pathophysiology. So I think those are the opening days and, and really great. But then if you look at the first session, which I believe is the NAFLD clinical aspects, except therapy and, and Matthew Armstrong and Michelle Longer, as you said, chairing that, there's a number of abstracts that, that, that are very interesting. And uh, Lawrence Farty is going to present on uh, lean NAFLD from the general French population. It's called the NASH Coast Study. And uh, we've discussed lean NASH a number of times in this podcast. And, and I hope it'll, it'll give us uh, additional insights to, to better understand that subgroup that's so diverse in some aspects uh, compared to our metabolically burdened and clinically obese phenotype patients. Louise, want to go ahead? What I was looking at was some of the abstracts. And there are some interesting abstracts by a doctor 
Dr. Roberta Falano, who I worked with at Imperial, and I'm excited about her diabetes abstracts because this was a project that just started not long before I left on a set of diabetic patients and a cohort. So it's real-world data on a large primary care practice, I believe, from diabetes, and she's got three abstracts in. One is abstract 950, a serum metabolic fingerprint may predict advanced fibrosis due to NAFLD in a cohort of diabetic patients. So I'm hoping some of this data is going to be as impressive as I started to see before I left Imperial and really inform some of our practice on the diabetes comorbid cases with NASH. So that excites me. So I'm excited to see some of her work coming out. Yeah, there's a like a kid in the candy store. There's so many great presentations, at least those presentations that look very attractive from their title. And I I guess I'll break mine down into sections. So the first section would be novel therapies. What's coming of age? What's cutting edge? What's new that we maybe have heard is coming, but we haven't had any real data yet? One of those is out of South Korea. This is abstract OS-768, a first-in-class small molecule targeting 17 beta-hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase 13 for the treatment of NASH. So really beginning to get after some of these genetic influences whether it be PNPLA3, HSD17, beta-13, or others. So I'm excited to see what that's going to look like. And then Mike Charlton is presenting abstract OS-2450, first-in-class orally active toll-like receptor signaling inhibitor, and I can't pronounce this, mosadimumab or PLAG, attenuates molecular, biochemical, and histologic features of NASH in vitro and in vivo. So I think that'll be an interesting one. There are many others that I could highlight even from this particular session, but they're not brand new, out of the box, tell me something novel like these two are. So I'm excited to see what up-and-comers there are. Excellent. I'm going to take a slightly different spin on the same thing, which is that I've been looking at how some of these sessions are constructed and really been fascinated. And one that I really liked is the one that Vlad and Ratsio and Kevin Kathleen Quarry are doing on Friday afternoon. The title is just NAFL Therapy, but if you look at it, it starts with OS-427 from Ken Cousy, a human proof of concept in non-alcoholic NAFL patients with PXL-770, novel first-in-class direct AMP kinase activator. It ends with Robert Limba talking about pemifibrate and S-parm-alpha improving liver stiffness by MRE and serum liver and lipid parameters in NAFL. The bookends are both around lanafibrinor, one coming out of the phase 2b native study and the other just saying the pan-P paragonist lanafibrinor significantly improves cardiovascular risk biomarkers in patients with NASH. So we have two interesting different things as the bookends. If you go in one in either direction, you have lanafibrinor, two papers. And then in the middle, we have treatment of NAFL with intermittent calorie restriction, low-carb, high-fat diet versus standard dietary advice, randomized controlled trial, and intermittent analysis from a 72-week double-blind placebo-controlled multicenter paired liver biopsy of endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty in patients with NASH. So I think about all that together, and I say, there are going to be so many things. The talks are interesting, and the compare and contrast about what seems to provide how much benefit how in what different ways, I think should be Fascinating. I'm excited about several of the papers. I'm really excited about the whole session. You know, Roger, now that you read this to us, it, it, this is really a session that all details metabolic mechanism of functions. I mean, there are three PPARs discussed, and there is weight change, weight loss, be it endoscopically or trying to improve insulin resistance with the intermittent uh, calorie restriction. And, and this is a theme that's really been driving forward. You know, there's not a true antifibrotic in this session. That's something that strikes me here. I agree with you. I mean, Stephen Louis' thoughts, comments? Well, I think that... Uh, 
as you guys have mentioned, that's another Don't Miss session on the 25th of June. I guess it's slated about an hour and a half runtime for those six presentations. The Pan PAN-PPAR Atlanta Fibrinor, we've seen the top line data. The manuscript hasn't come out yet, but this looks like two additional post hoc looks at, at some of that data, which, you know, it's a gold mine. It's a treasure trove of data. There's a large number of patients treated over a, a decent period of time. So that's going to be very insightful and instructive. And again, you mentioned PXL770. That's not their only molecule. Interestingly, Poxel has PXL065, which is currently enrolling a very large phase two be paired liver biopsy study. So this company, Poxel, based in France, actually has two assets that appear to potentially be therapeutic for NASH. So this one's not as far along, this direct AMP kinase activator, but it's very intriguing. And, and even as combination therapies begin to pick up steam, it'd be interesting to see how this direct AMP kinase activator might fit into that paradigm. If I had to pick anything out of that session, it would be the treatment of NAFLD with the intermittent calorie restriction, low carb, high fats against standard dietary advice, because we've discussed numerous times, what is standard dietary advice? Is it as simple as a GP saying, eat less, move more? So I don't think we've ever seen a consensus for what standard dietary advice is. So it'd be interesting to see what the comparator is for that. And we know that people intermittent diets, it tends to be a lifestyle thing that people can do it for a short period and then come off it. So I'm interested to see what the two definitions that are going to be discussed there. So that interests me. You know, you you just struck a nerve, Louise, and I'll just say the one thing that I am totally surprised that we don't hear more and more about is the role of omega-3s versus omega-6s. You know, omega-6s we get tons of in our diet, corn oil, vegetable oil, it's in fried stuff, right? We can take really good foods and ruin it by frying it. What do omega-6s do? They activate arachidonic acid cascades, which directly have influences over all of the inflammatory milieu to include NF kappa beta and other mechanisms that lead to stellate cell activation. And whether it's reducing omega-6s or, quite frankly, maybe we just don't eat enough omega-3s, right? I mean, we don't see a lot of our NASH patients coming in saying, Doc, I'm sick of eating tons of deep water cold fish like salmon and other deep water fish. You know, can I occasionally have a hamburger? I mean, they don't say that, right? They come in the opposite. And such a simple thing to do would be to measure these ratios of omega-6s to omega-3s at baseline, institute some sort of therapeutic intervention. You change the ratio over time and see what happens to the liver in these patients. But I would love to see something like that happen because to me, that's foundational in the management of this disease. In addition to all the other things of exercise and cutting the carbs, which I'm a huge proponent of, but I think we often overlook the simple part of the nutritional component, which is the omega-3s and omega-6s. Well, I'm looking forward to covering your abstract in easel um, 2023 on that exact mm-hmm. topic. <laughs> we got to get to work, Louise. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back in the coming week with interviews from leaders in easel and other key opinion leaders in hepatology, followed by our same-day coverage of the digital ILC on June 24, 25, and 26. I hope you'll join us then. Until then, stay safe. See you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.